0: I'm Rebecca Pete and I'm Rebecca Cochran and And welcome welcome to Woven where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention and our prayer is that to paraphrase Mary Zimmer the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks Thanks for listening. listening. Welcome back. This is part two of our Advent series and we're doing a series um, talking about the different Christmas carols that we all know and love and the backstories behind them and the theology behind them. And as promised, Erin Freeman is joining us every week to sing the song that we're talking about every week. And this week, she's giving us her rendition of Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
1: Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn king Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all ye nations, rise, join the.
2: 123. Um, continuing our advent series, we are going to be discussing the Christmas carol. Well, is it a carol or a hymn, Rebecca? Oh,
0: good question. Um,
2: um or okay, the Herald Angels sing that's what we're talking about today.
0: Yeah, well, so a hymn is a song that is sung in church. Um, I mean, that's the generic definition, it's a it's a it's poetry that's sung in church that usually delivers some kind of theological truth. I consider a carol. I think a carol, the definition of a carol is something that you sing in unison. So I think if you were going to do a Venn diagram, uh-huh. lots of hymns and carols overlap, but you don't have to be a hymn to be a carol or a carol to be a hymn, but a lot of our hymns and carols. So I would say Hark the Herald Angels Sing is a hymn and a carol because it fits in above the buckets. <laughs> don't quote me on that. I'm not a music major. We should have asked Erin because she was the music major. But
2: <laughs> Well, Rebecca, do you have any ties to this song personally? Um or like any
0: special No, it's just always what has been one of my favorites, even as a child. I think it's cause it was you know, cause it's traditionally sung on um Christmas Day. And um growing up in the Catholic Church, we would go to midnight mass and then we'd also go in the afternoon on Christmas Day. And so I think it's traditionally a song sung on Christmas Day. Um and I just always liked it because it was, it's upbeat. Um, but as a kid, I don't think I realized how like theologically rich it was. Um, but the, the the more grown up I've gotten in, the more I like really study it, listen to it when we sing it on Christmas Day. Um, and actually pay attention to the words. I'm impressed with how much theological
2: truth it does carry. So um, what do you feel about the song? I feel like a pleasant indifference. I don't just... <laughs> I
0: don't like it. I, I like it. I mean, I like it. I don't... Like, I don't have any memories of singing it at a certain time or anything like that. So I feel yeah. pretty... Cool. I mean, it's good. I like the message behind it and everything. Um, But I'm pretty neutral about it, I guess. Yeah. Do you have any, like, versions that you know of that you like? I was thinking about that, and I don't have a specific... like. This is one of those songs where I don't want anyone to put their own spin on it or vocalize or do anything weird. Um, Oh, that's funny because I'm the opposite. I actually like when people shake this song up. Yeah. (laughs) So I, actually my favorite version is when I hear other people singing it around me, particularly children. Like that is is when like little kids sing this song, but like I would rather hear it in church and all of us be singing it together than hear it like Mariah Carey sing it or something. Interesting. I
2: feel like it kind of
0: like I, I don't know the history of it um, or like why it was written. That's why you're
2: here, but <laughs> I, I feel like that is its best um vehicle or its best. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's best in that way. So I don't really yes. want my powerhouse singer to come in and like, yeah. You know,
0: so, um, my favorite way it's usually done is when it's sung with a choir, just because I feel like, it, well, not I feel like it is supposed to be the angels singing. So, when you have a choir of beautiful voices singing it, to me that really conveys the meaning of the song. So, I'd say like traditionally, my favorite version of it is actually in Grant's version. Um, and it's really simple. Like, she's mostly just singing it, not quite a cappella, but just with a piano for most of the song and then at the very end with the last verse the um choir comes in and and it builds from there and so i think that's like my favorite like traditional version of it because i think that's actually how it was supposed to be sung um but i really do like pentaton's version of it and they totally change it like it's very, it, it's very different. It's, it's got more of a tri trans Siberian orchestra feel to it, but with Pentaton's voices, cause you know, they don't use instruments, their voices are their instruments. And so you, you got the beating of the drum with the bass um, with the bass singers, um, a voice and so I really like their version and then I think I sent you Wren Collective's version that was mostly because I just really like their new Christmas album <laughs> and theirs has got like an Irish you know because they're an Irish fan so theirs has like an Irish spin on it so it almost because it's a, it is an upbeat song and it's supposed to be a, a joyful song and so it's got like the the Irish like music and and almost dance beat to it that I really like too so I have lots of different versions that I like of it
2: I'll check out the Pentatonix one
0: it's pretty cool
2: like, I guess I want the the beat to be maintained. I don't want it to, because
0: I tried, I love Aretha Franklin. And so I looked up her version because I just figured I would like it. And I really didn't like
2: it because it was very, yeah. just, I don't know. It just feels like a song that should be like quiet and kind of not quiet, but like, um, what am I trying to say?
0: Yeah. Well, that's why Amy Graham's version is really good. Cause it's just simple. Um, yeah. 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 So the song was originally written in 1739. So it's an old song and it was written by Charles Wesley. Um, and if you don't know who Charles Wesley is, he is, the he was the English leader of the Methodist movement. So... Um, he started in England and, and brought uh, Methodism to America. Um, and there was a lot of per- persecution that happened just like with the pilgrims and stuff with, um, the Methodist movement, because it was, you know, contradictory to the church of England. So, um, he, Charles Wesley was one of the founders, um, of Methodism and he wrote, um, over 6,500 of our hymns. So wow. i Almost, so it, it, there's two people. I mean, a lot of people wrote a lot of hymns, but Fanny Crosby, who was a woman, she wrote over 8,000 hymns. And then um, and then Charles Wesley wrote over 6,500. So if you go through a, a hymnal now, if you go pick up a hymnal at church or whatever, Archer's doesn't have hymnals. But if you go to a church that has hymnals and you look at it, you'll see that so many of them are written either by Charles Wesley or Fanny Crosby. So he, this, you know, it's just, like what? He was, is John Wesley like his middle name? Is that a brother? So no, John Wesley was his. Uh, John Wesley was his brother. Okay. So Charles and John. So John was more of the preacher, and Charles Wesley was more of the leader, and he was a hymn writer and a poet. So and then and John was his brother, and John was more of you know, the fiery preacher type. So, uh, but there there was a lot of. I mean, a lot of siblings in that family that did a lot for the church. Um, uh, his father was an Anglican priest. So it's definitely there The the divide happened with that like generation of sons. Um, and so it's interesting because so many of songs that we sing are written by Charles Wesley, but it's interesting which ones like got pulled and are used more commonly in, um in like current culture. And so Char- this one is um, one of them. And, but the version that he wrote is different than the one that, that we sing today. It's very different than other hymns that are written because his, His version was 10 four line verses, which is so there's like there was 10 verses, which is unusual for a hymn. That's like way more than you normally have, but they were really short verses. Um, and so George Whitfield, who was a student of his, which who was also a famous Methodist preacher and also a hymn writer, he, um, he kind of changed up the, um, the version to what we sing now. Um, he, any, if you go and look the original Charles Wesley version, any part that we don't sing, it's George Whitfield eliminated it. And it actually, his rewrite of this song caused a lot of controversy between Charles Wesley and him because he changed the song so much from what Charles Wesley did it. And, um, Like he took out so many verses and one of the big changes he made that made Charles Wesley really mad (laughs) was, um, you know, we say glory to the newborn king at the end of every verse. You know, it used to say glory to the king of kings. And Charles Wesley was very um, upset about that because he felt like it changed the meaning of the song. And so and when he when he when he's saying glory to the king of kings that the original line he it's claiming that Jesus himself was praised but if you sing glory to the newborn king the way we sing it it implies that we're praising the father for Jesus' birth and that was like a theological thing for Charles Wesley he felt like in the song he was praising he was praising Jesus not God the father for sending Jesus and so he felt like when George Whitfield changed the version he changed the meaning of the song, and that really bothered Charles Wesley, so there was like a big controversy about like it caused a riff what
2: what do you think about that
0: i mean i I mean neither are wrong theologically to me. I just Charles Wesley, I mean that's his opinion you know he he wrote the song, so if he felt like he wanted to be praising Jesus instead of God for sending Jesus, then I can see where he would be upset because it's different. Like the song that we talked about last week with Oh Come, Come, Emmanuel, when the changes were made to the current, current version, the person who originally wrote it was dead. But like, this was a student of Charles Wesley's who decided to, who like rewrote the hymn and, mm-hmm. and Matt and Nas produced the hymn. And so I can see where that would bother Charles Wesley. It would be like anytime you, if somebody takes an artistic license with some, something that you created, you know how that would bother you. So um, that's more of what the sense I got with it. And the music was added by a man named Felix Mandelson, who at the time of George Whitfield was a very famous composer. A lot of our hymns are set to his music. Um, so originally when Charles Wesley wrote it, it was a poem to be recited on Christmas Day. It wasn't sung. And George Whitfield, when he changed the verses, then he, he married it to Felix's music and turned it into the hymn that we sing today so one of the things that I found most interesting was this was one of the first hymns Charles Wesley wrote within a year of his conversion. So, so you, you get a lot, you know, the whole, the, the whole song, the lyrics follow the, the telling of the gospel, you know, it, talking about God and the center is reconciled and it talks about the birth of Jesus. And you can tell that the way he's, he's written the point he's newly experienced what it means to experience the gospel um yeah and one of the reasons why he wrote so many hymns was because you know the one of the things with methodism you know church of england little church history lesson here church of england was a very high church it was you know it was the church of the, the government um the people that 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 led the church were you know politically savvy and uh and this is not a dig against the church of england i mean i'm an anglican this is not a this is not a dig but like it, you know it they were they were very high church and so a lot of but most you know most of the people in like the late 1600s early 1700s you know were poor um you know commoners were poor illiterate like most people didn't know how to read um and so the when when the church would preach on the word, people would just have to take what the preacher said at face value because they couldn't read the Bible themselves. And so one of Charles Wesley's big things in the founding of Methodism, one of the big things with the founding of Methodism was to teach people like in Sunday school and that kind of stuff so that they could know for themselves and learn for themselves. And they used Sunday school and things like that to actually teach people how to read as well as teach them the gospel. And so that was that was a big part of Charles Wesley's like movement. And so when he wrote hymns, the purpose of the hymn is because you you can uh, we can all agree that when we sing something, it sticks to memory a lot easier than it does if we just read it. And so he he really believed that if he could set crypt- scripture to music and to poetry, people will remember it better since they couldn't read it. They could like that's how they could learn it. So that that's why he wrote so many hymns. That's awesome. Yeah. So um but yeah, so the this, this song was obviously one of those hymns that he wrote to share the gospel um, with people. Um, and I just, I love it. What, one of the writers I was reading, one of the biographers of, um, of Charles Wesley was talking about this song and talking about um, how it's supposed to be, it was written to be like this cosmic connection between heavenly beings and earthly beings having a conversation about what has happened. So just like the shepherds and the angels having a conversation, like that was the way the hymn was supposed to be written. So um, I really thought that was beautiful too. I really liked um, that.
2: What do hark and herald mean?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hark is almost like a calling, like hark, like, you know, and so is herald. And when you herald something, you know, that's why so many newspapers are called, you know, the Herald or the Tribune Herald or whatever is because you're announcing news.
2: Is he used to say, so, Herald angels, that's saying like the angels
0: who announce?
2: Like
0: yes. The okay, so it's saying like, listen, at the announcing angels are singing. They're singing. And so, and, and, you know, and, and just a little you know, theology on angelic beings, um, you know, there's groups of angels. Um, and they have different jobs. so you have you have the jobs of angels who announce things. you have protective um, angels and warrior angels, you have angels who um, do God's bidding and like taking care of people. you know, so there's like there's different types of jobs that angels hold. and so one of them is announcing angels. So you see a lot in scripture um, angels who are announcing things. and so that that's that the herald angels are the is just an old way of saying, you know, listen to the angels that have news to say. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's funny because the original language is even way more old English than this. Because if you look at the the verse, there's a lot of words that we don't use like Hark and Herald and, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Most of them are gone these days, but one of them was, um, his first line was, uh, Charles Wesley's first line was actually, Hark, how all the welkin rings and welkin was an old english word for heaven um and i I read a funny article about how even charles wesley's contemporaries were like nobody's gonna know what you're talking about and it was and it was a word used for heaven like it was a it was an old english term for heaven and heavenly beings but like even even his contemporaries were like that that's not a great word to use, and so George Whitfield changed that too to "Hark the Herald Angels Sing" instead of "Hark how all the Welkin rings." But if you find some really old hymnals, that's how it's still written, and a really old English way of writing it. So,
2: very interesting,
0: very interesting,
2: very interesting.
0: Um, but there's like a ton of scripture and this like directly out of scripture but the the whole first verse hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king peace on earth and mercy mild that's straight out of luke 2 that's two fourteen. so it, it just it shows you that a lot of his hymns were written straight from scripture um you know um, with the angelic host proclaim grace is born in bethlehem that's all from luke chapter two um and then the second verse which is my favorite um Oh, no, I think the third verse is my favorite, but I do like the second as well. Christ by highest heaven adored Christ, the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold, He come, him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Um, and so that's, you know, it speaks to the theology of the incarnation, kind of the mystery behind how, you know, a virgin gave birth to a child that ended up being a deity. You know, there's this mysticism behind it in that verse. Um, but I love the uh, the next line that says, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus are Emmanuel. And it just kind of, when I was reading these verses, it reminded me of what we talked about last week in last yeah. week's episode about how it, it keeps, Emmanuel keeps showing up to me in a lot of things I'm reading lately. And I don't think that's without um, coincidence, <laughs> uh, because I think we're all looking for a little bit of God with us right now. So it's awesome that it's in this verse. Um, and then the third verse, um, hail the heaven born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness, the son of righteousness. It's actually S U N not S O N, um, is from Malachi four oh. two, but I just, yeah. So it's actually Sun, as in the Sun of righteousness which is um, in Malachi. But this is my favorite verse, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. So he goes from like, got like the gospel of announcing Jesus's birth to kind of the mysticism behind that. And then the third verse is about the py- power that that brings and the fact that we can be raised from the dead. There's healing in his wings. Um, there's light and life um, to all he brings. Um, so it's kind of the accomplishment of his birth and what that means. So, and there are a lot of other verses that we now don't sing that have a, a lot of, um, words that are hard to understand in them, but one of the the, one, the next verse that we don't sing, um, you'll recognize it. Um, it's come desire of nations come. And that's the first um, line of the next verse, which is from Haggai. But um, that's actually where John Mason Neal, if you remember him from last week, he's the one that uh, rewrote O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And that line, come desire of nations come, is in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And he took it from Charles Wesley's Original version of "Hark! The Herald Angels Sing." So you like how our two weeks kind of blend together? Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I didn't know that until I did some reading. So
2: that is really fun. Say the line again.
0: Come, desire of nations, come. So there's one of the verse. One of the verses in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Let me find my piece of paper from last week. It, it talks about the desire of nations. Um,
2: what is it? Which verse is it? Um. Where is it I'm like losing it on my. It talks about the desire of nations
0: in the and O Come, and Come, Emmanuel, and I'm not finding it. I don't have all of the um verses printed here. I only have three of the five verses printed here, so it must be in one of the other verses. Yeah, yeah, I think it's in the fifth verse, uh, which we don't usually sing. You know how it is. Usually, we just usually sing the first. Usually, most hymns typically have five to six verses. We usually sing the first, second, and the last is typically how we see things. Um sometimes we'll do the first, third, and the last if there's six verses. So the the poor lonely fourth and fifth um verses don't usually get sung very often. Um but and also um, if you remember from Handel's Messiah, I don't know how much you know about Handel's Messiah, but he um that one verse about the the, the desire of nations coming, he uses that in um one, I think it's in the bass solo of Handel's Messiah. He uses that version of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We don't sing that, but it's in Messiah. So,
2: yeah, there you go. we listen to that every year?
0: I do. I love it so much. I heard it performed. I think, I think my love for Handel's Messiah came from when we lived in Boston and I heard the Boston Sympathy Orchestra do Handel's Messiah. Like, it just won't ever be the same again. <laughs> I mean, obviously, when I re-listen to it, I listen to them play it. But... Um, it's so, yeah. It's so amazing. So good.
2: So good.
0: I know. We we talk at, we talk uh, they, with the kid the kids and I we talk about um sacred music and because I don't want to talk about I don't want to like put this distinction between, you know, secular music can't have spiritual um undertones and like there isn't a good reason to listen to it and there's I mean all art speaks to something so I don't well most art speaks to something <laughs> and so I I don't want to like I don't want to do this like good and bad like when we do with food or something else I just with music I don't want there to be like a good and bad like but we do talk about like sacred music or church music versus like um, so that's how we kind of break up our Christmas songs. And so I like I we talk a lot about how how we need to do a lot of both. Um, because you know, I, I there's only so much I can hear grandma got run over by a reindeer. Like, I wanna go <laughs> But luckily, we're kind of getting out of the way. I mean, the kids still do like Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer and some of those other songs, which there's fun in that too. Frosty the Snowman, all of that. But especially Myla, I noticed I had her pick our playlist yesterday, and she like she 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 picked a lot of Christmas songs that I would have chosen. So, yeah, yeah. So they get they get it sometime. <laughs>
2: you know what Maddie's favorite Christmas song is? And it's so terrible. What? I don't really know how she
0: heard it the first time, but you know the band Train? Yes. They have a song called
2: Shake Up the Happiness, and it's about Christmas.
0: And I don't it, think I've ever even heard that.
2: And It's like her favorite song, and it's so terrible. <laughs> Look it up sometime. We have to Got listen it. on repeat all Christmas.
0: I, i'm fine if i never have to hear jingle bells again so because we went through a phase where they only wanted to listen to jingle bells i'm fine with i never have to listen to that again Shake <laughs>
2: oh
0: i think one of my i was thinking about this because you know we talked about some of our favorite advent songs and then hark the herald angels sing got me kind of on what my favorite songs are to sing on christmas day because then i have my favorite ones that are that I like to sing on Christmas Eve, which we're going to get to. Um, but my favorite, my other favorite song on Christmas day, besides Hark the Herald Angels Sing, is um, Go Tell It on the Mountain.
2: Oh yeah. I that
0: song. And there's so many good versions out there. Um, but I think that's one of my favorites too.
2: You're inspiring me to pick
0: certain songs to listen to at certain times because they don't really do that. I kind of just like listen to all of them all the time, but it would be better if I listened to like certain songs on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day. Yeah. Be- well, it helps you just to like, I mean, and I mix it up. I mean, I was, I heard go out on the mountain yesterday where we, we were going through some of our Christmas music, but it does have more meaning when you actually like play it on the days. But I think it was originally meant to be sung, you know, um, you kind of realize, and it, it's funny because when I first started, um, you know, cause I grew up, I grew up going to church on Christmas Eve and Christmas day. And, um, You know, and listening to all of those songs. And then, but we didn't go to church much much else than that. But when I started going to church regularly as an adult, after I became a Christian at 18, I remember being at church during the Christmas season and during Advent um, and thinking, I really wish we were singing more Christmas songs. Why aren't we singing more Christmas songs every week? And then I learned, you know, there's this like, and we all know this with Advent, but it's, you know, it's about anticipating something. And so we sing Advent songs to prepare us for Christmas Eve and Christmas day, which is when we get to sing the songs that we all traditionally want to sing, which there's almost a, um, what is it when you're, um, a delayed gratification to that. And I actually had this conversation with Nathan last night because we were starting to pull out our Christmas decorations and, um, you know, we found the Christmas calendar or whatever that says so many days till Christmas, and you change it every day. And you know, yesterday it was like thirty-two days till Christmas or something torturous to him like that. And he was like, "I don't understand why we can't just fast forward." <laughs> and so we had like a whole conversation about why we don't fast forward and yeah. why, like, the whole like if it was just like we snapped our fingers, and then tomorrow was Christmas Day, we would miss all of the anticipation that actually makes Christmas Day so wonderful. So it was, it's so funny when you're, you're having a conversation, like one of those teachable moments with your kids and you realize you need to have that teachable moment too. <laughs> not
2: every single time.
0: Um, not uh, more so others than, but it, I don't know. I needed to hear myself say that yesterday.
2: <laughs> yeah. So any other Advent thoughts? Hmm. Any new music? Any new music that you're looking forward to? I know we kind of started talking last
0: week about it, but I just didn't know if you had dug in any more and found any more Christmas albums you're excited to start listening to. Not really. I need to get some better playlists and like um, check out like when people do the playlists on Spotify. Yeah. I need to like do some more research. So I kind of just end up playing like whatever I can find and then it's never. Like, I, I don't know. I, I could use some good Christmas albums. If anyone has recommendations, like I don't have a lot that I like get that excited about listening to. I think you need to go back. I re-listened yesterday to the Bebo Norman one, which I mentioned last week, but I really think you should um go and listen to it. Go tell it on the mountain. That's why I heard that song is on it. But there's a, he also wrote some songs and, um, the, he's just such a good songwriter or he was such a good songwriter. Um, but the last the last song on his christmas album is called Re- the rebel jesus um and it talks it's more about um it's a, an, it's an indictment on the church um on you know do, you know we like to it's pretty much i don't, i'm not doing the words justice, but the, the main theme of the song is, you know, we like to talk about Jesus coming as a baby and, and we like to celebrate it. And we're all, you know, at Christmas and we're eating and we're warm and we're happy. But like, do we really like understand the the message of Jesus coming? And then he talks about the rebel Jesus and like what Jesus really came, the message he really came to spread. And are do we really listen to that? Is it because it's uncomfortable? Um, so the song's really good. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah ouch and so i'm okay with christmas music doing that to me a little bit especially during advent like just as a kind of a reminder of why we like like to check ourselves like i think sometimes we get wrapped up in the and not that it's not wonderful to like have beautiful celebrations but like sometimes we just get wrapped up in no pun intended get wrapped up in like all of the um the duties of Christmas and like what we need to do to make Christmas great in quotation marks and forgetting like really why Jesus came. So it's a good
2: song. That's like what we do with church too. Like we yeah. get some church sometimes when we're not like in relationship. Yeah. It's like the same thing. Like yeah. to it's own, whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to throw together some songs for me, besides the two you just mentioned, let me know and i will check them out we can
0: post those yeah no maybe i'll i'll do it i'll may, maybe i'll do a spotify spotify playlist do it. i
2: would love that i'll
0: create one i'll create one yeah do you like
2: because i like to i have, will i like to have it playing all day yeah
0: yeah no i'll do that i'll um because i i do have um quite a few um and i mean i know you know like i love the lauren diggle one i re-listened it yesterday and i love it so much and so um johnny swim has a great christmas album like there's lots of yeah there's there's is really good too so um there's lots of good christmas albums out there um so what is your favorite
2: christmas song sacred or not sacred
0: well i told you last week part, uh 12 days of christmas i think that's up there um and then you said christmas shoes which i would say is up there too i'm trying I don't to think
2: as much as christmas shoes what well, i don't want to say it because i want to see what you're going to say Oh, I'm trying to think besides the 12 days of Christmas. Um, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. (laughs) That's probably up there too. I don't really like that one either. (laughs) Maybe it's cold outside.
0: Oh yeah. uh, Because that's pretty much, um, you know.
2: (laughs) It's so bad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it came on like accident. Like if I was just playing a playlist and it came on, and I was like, and Milo was like, listen to it. And I was like, um, we're not listening to the song, which is sad because their voices are amazing, and I love the harmony in the song, and it's very catchy. But then, like when you really listen to the lyrics, it's so inappropriate.
2: <laughs> I don't like that song. <laughs> so yeah, it goes Christmas shoes first. Yeah, and then maybe it's cold outside, and then jingle bell rock, maybe.
0: Uh, I don't mind if you don't like you. Jing- I don't mind Jigabell Rock unless it gets overplayed.
2: Um, uh, I'm trying to think if I can think of any other songs that really I think. Yeah, 12 Days of Christmas and I saw Mommy Kissing Claus. I guess I won't get you that 12 Days of Christmas themed <laughs> gift this year. oh I'm fine
0: with 12 days of Christmas theme I just don't want to listen to the song repeating the same things over and over and over (laughs) and I know there's like supposed to be like some message behind that song that like they used each one of those each one of those things the number of those things match like some part of the gospel message I don't know I read a story about the song one time I know it has a good story behind it I still don't like it
2: so it's fine uh hard and i think as a
0: texas girl i always really didn't like songs like let it snow and winter wonderland (laughs) because that was not my experience of christmas and so it's still not really my experience of christmas i mean it's you know we're like you know towards the end of november into december and it's like 70 degrees outside so i was talking to a friend the other day she um our kids are friends and we had a play date um and they're from Brazil, like, they just moved here, like, two or three years ago, which, you know, uh-huh. so it's summer when they're, like, celebrating Christmas, and she was, like, yeah, it's our American Christmas, like, and I guess, like, they weren't in a house last year, I don't even know, but, like, she was, like, we're gonna be in a house, we're gonna have, like, an American Christmas, and I was, like, what do you mean, and she's, like, well, it's gonna be cold, and, like, I was, like, oh, my God, like, you guys always have, like, summer Christmas, I just, yeah, know. she's, like, oh, it's gonna be great, I can't wait, and I was, like, do you feel like it should be summer, and she said that, like, culturally, because of all the songs and, like, just the things like that, she was, like, it always felt like it should be winter because, you yeah. know, that's the stuff you sing about. So, I was, like, really, I, I don't know. Like, I knew that, like, the Southern Hemisphere, but I guess I don't, like, really encounter a lot of people who aren't from around here. So, I was, like, oh, yeah, that's so interesting. I, I have a cousin who lived, um, for a couple years in Australia. And Australia is the same way. They celebrate oh. Christmas in the summer. So, I mean, they sweat, like, I mean, pictures of them in their bathing suits around the pool on Christmas. Yeah. It's, I know. Like really so.
2: when it's not warm or when it's too warm on Christmas, which is pretty much all the time. But like when it's really like, you know, sixty-five degrees and you're like, I just got a sweater, like I wanna wear it, or like I got this like funny like Santa hoodie. And I can't wear you know, it's like weird. Yeah. Really cool. I usually make our house freezing on Christmas. So that it feels like it's <laughs> really, really cold.
0: <laughs> oh, good times, friend okay well you guys come next come back next week so you can hear Aaron sing another song and we'll have you know more lively discussion about old hymns (laughs) if if that can ever be made into a lively discussion
2: (laughs) no it is good though because it's
0: making them come alive for me because I think like just like you know really common passages of scripture or you know anything like that you just get used to things and you kind of forget what they mean so it's really nice to talk about um these things and yep. remember, like, after we talked about come Emanuel, when I was like a hater, and I'm not a hater on the song, but I was just kind of a hater last week, and I was like, you yeah, know, that is a great song. I think I'm just like so oversaturated with it that it's yep. just, you know, so it was like nice to remember like where things started and like what they actually mean, and not just like how we've made them or what we've made them to be. I also blame culture a little bit. And Hey, I have no room to talk because I've decorated for earlier this year than I have ever have. So I have no room to talk, but you know, I'm thinking about like when Charles Wesley wrote this hymn to be sung on Christmas day, they only sung it on Christmas day. Like it didn't get sung for the six weeks before Christmas. It was sung on Christmas day. So it has more meaning to them. Like we we're oversaturated because we're listening to the same songs and I do it too. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling anybody they shouldn't do this. I listen to Christmas music over and over and over because it makes me feel cheery and I love it. But at some point that causes some of the songs to lose their meaning and the people who wrote the song, their intention wasn't for you to be singing it for six weeks in a row. So.
2: Wow, that's good to remember. So, okay. Well, friends. Our, our episode is over.
0: <laughs> I don't think any Herald Angels are singing about it, <laughs> but...
2: <laughs> right, we'll see
0: you guys. Okay. In- okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Bye. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. (laughs)